0: Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Circe podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. Before we get into that message, we want to remind you about just a couple of things. First off, if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here at the Circe campus, text the word SEARCY to 88000 for more information about what's going on here at our local campus. And you can give online there as well. You can also get connected to life groups and so much more just by texting Cersei to 88000. Now get your Bible apps ready and prepare to hear a great word today. Um, I want to talk uh, today probably about a topic that we should really spend more time talking on uh, every every year. Um, And when I tell you this, you know, you may take a, a second look at me, but... Um, There are several scriptures that are strong related to this topic today, and so I'm going to be talking about our mind, and I want to specifically talk about what scripture thinks about it and why it can be so very important to us. So to get started, I want to just simply build an an analogy of of what the mind is. A lot of you in this room today, you may think that the mind and the brain are the same thing, but they aren't. And so I want you to imagine a three-bedroom home and a living room, and in one of those bedrooms is where the body lives, and that would also be the brain. So you've got the physical part of you that houses uh, the other two parts, which are spirit and soul, and so uh, we've got this physical body that we can see that uh, feels and detects the senses around us and then pulls those upward to the brain. Uh, which then gives us a perception about those things. Um, but that's, that, that would be one of those bed, bedrooms would be the, the body. Then you've got the spirit, and I may teach this differently than you've heard it, but for me, I always teach it this way. The spirit is the emotional construct. And in the Old Testament, when they talked about the spirit, it was the emotional seat. So, um, you know, they would talk about that. That's where brokenness came from, like a, a broken and contrite spirit. Um, that's where joy would derive from. Uh, any, any other emotion, sadness and sorrow and e- elation, all of those things came from the spirit. So imagine the spirit living in one of those bedrooms. And then the eternal part of you lives in one of those bedrooms. So um, th- there's the word that I often use, theonustos, which is God's breath. So there's a part of you that where God breathed on it and man became a living soul, and and there's that part of you that suddenly was eternal. It wasn't just uh, the part of you that's going to return to to dirt. It it was alive and will continue to be alive forever, um, because God's breath is is on it. So you got body, which includes brain, spirit, which is the emotional construct, and soul, which is the eternal aspect of who you are. And imagine them all coming together into the living room, and in that convergence, it becomes the mind. So the mind is not just um, thinking. It is is the whole thing. It It is the wholeness and the wellness of your whole existence, and you live from that. So you live out of, of, of the mind and what, what it, it leads with and what it produces. That's why it's very, very important. To put this all together, I would say this. You are your mind, and your mind is always with you, even if you feel like you've lost it. You haven't. You've still got it. And so it is always with you. You are your mind and I want to give you, I wanted to just start with this, instead of embedding them within points, I kind of just wanted to start with this, and I wanted to give you the four most dominant scriptures that we have regarding the mind. None of these are new to you, but I think if we put them together, uh, you're going to see the, the strength in it, okay? So I, here's where I want you to participate with me. I'm going to read all four of these, and when we get to the word mind, I want you to say it out loud, Okay. Now, what I don't want you to do is go, mind, okay? I want you to say it, okay? So uh, let, let's start with Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Very popular. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Woo! That's what I'm talking about. Thank you to whoever did that. <laughs> so love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your Philippians 2.5, and this is such a great one, but he says, Let this be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Now, now why I like this uh, so much is because it starts with this word, let. So this word, let, is a permissive word. It's a word of allowance, like, like choosing, like your volition is involved here. So he's saying, Let this mind, or allow this mind in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Now, why this is important is because when we look, again, at those convergence of three things, body, soul, spirit, and you becoming the mind, and then you look at this verse, let this mind be in you, then when we're praying this and thinking on this, we're not just saying, let me act like Jesus, Or let me think like Jesus. Or let me live like Jesus. You're saying all of it. I want the whole mind of Christ, the whole being of Christ to belong to me. Let it. okay? Permit it. This is part of, of the same choosing you have when you choose to follow Christ is the same word let. I'm going to let your mind, your being, be in me. Okay, so very, very strong there. Then 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a what? Sound mind. Okay? Now when you look at, at this word sound, this would be um, a word that we would use would 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 be balanced. Okay? So he's saying, I've given you uh, not but of power and of love and of a balanced mind, meaning this, it's not just your body's experience, it's not just your emotional reaction, it's not just the eternal part of you, it's the wholeness, the soundness of all of it coming together and he's saying, so you don't have to have fear because I've given you power and love and balance, okay, okay. And so, after reading these scriptures, I think there's something that we can all agree on, and that is that mind management is a skill that we all need to be working on. And mind management needs to be learned and constantly upgraded as we grow from childhood into adulthood. For every new experience, we need a new set of mind management tools, okay? Now, what I'm saying there is this. You don't think the way... Um, when you're 40, that you did when you were 20. And you don't think at 60 the way you did at 40. Each era and season of time is growing you and stretching you as you face new challenges, as you're pulling from your experiences and stretching them forward, applying them to your ev- everyday life. You are, are managing mind and you are, are pulling from new solutions to the same problems that people have faced. And this is where you get wisdom from, okay, is is from mind management. So I want to give you just a few talking points and kind of talk this out today. And my goal, my whole goal today, is that you realize that the mind that is in you is powerful, it's strong, it's where you live from, and it's got to be addressed from a spiritual lens, okay? So first, I would say, say this. A healthy mind must have healthy boundaries. Now, right now, boundaries is a buzzword. Everybody's talking about boundaries, and most of them is about social boundaries, relational boundaries. And that's a different message. What I want to talk about today is thought boundaries. Okay? Thought boundaries. Meaning this. There are things that, as followers of Jesus, we do not need to entertain or meditate on Simply because we want to live righteously. Now we just came out of a four-week series about being righteous. And this is where these two topics kind of come together. Because there are thoughts that I don't need to be meditating on, giving time to, giving headspace to. Simply because I'm following Jesus. And I want to live righteously. And I want to live in a healthy way. And in a life-giving way. But let me clarify something, and I think maybe this, this will help some of you. A thought is not a sin. Okay, You're going to have all kinds of thoughts about your entire experience. And some of those are going to be tethered with your emotions. So sometimes you're going to be mad and have thoughts that come when you're mad about certain people, like, I want to throw punch them right now. That's a thought. Now, we don't need to meditate on it. But you thinking, I'd like to slap them right now, okay? Uh, my wife thinks that twice a week about me, okay? Is she in sin? Probably. Um, but a thought is not a sin. The sin comes when we entertain it, when we meditate on it, when it drops into our values, when it when it becomes a behavior. When it becomes an action, when it steps out of our mouth into a sentence, okay, that's when it becomes a sin. That's when we take it to God. That's when we confess it. That's when we repent of it. But a thought by itself, can you imagine? You'd be walking around all day, God, God forgive me for that one. You'd take two steps, God forgive me for that one. Take two steps, God forgive me for that one. Now that's how I was raised. And if the rapture took place in between thought A and B, oh Lord, you, you, you was left, okay, but a thought is not a sin. Now think about it like like this. Think about your thoughts like like traffic and you're observing traffic. And so you 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 don't judge every single thought. Just the way you don't judge every single car in traffic. I mean you just don't look out and go, "Well, well, green car needs to speed up, and brown car needs to get, take this exit and and blue car, man, you're a real clunker. We should probably junk you for 400 bucks." Uh, you, you, don't, you just don't judge every thought. You just let it go by. So when you're in traffic and you see a car, you don't get out and go jump on the hood of that car and latch onto it. It's the same thing with every thought. Let it go. Let them cruise by. Don't, don't judge it. Don't meditate on it. Don't entertain it. It does not meaning your your traffic jam that you got in your head does not make you a sinner. The entertainment and the meditation of those things is what causes us to get derailed. Are y'all with me? Okay, so there are thoughts that we don't allow to camp out because they're unhealthy, and they're toxic, and they're defeating, and they pull us into a former version of ourselves that we were not happy with, okay? Let me give you an example of this. If if I use this, this bottle of water, but let's say it was filled with gasoline, I would look at that and I would go, there's no way I'm drinking that. Even though it's disguised in, in something that I would typically drink from, I'm not drinking from that. My experience tells me that. My intellect tells me that. that anything going into a car, I don't, I don't want to put in my body. It's just it's dangerous. It's toxic. It's not for me. And thoughts are very much the same way. They disguise themselves in, in ways that, that are very common to us, but sometimes they can be toxic and dangerous. But watch this. If I took this and it was full of gas, but I put it under my kitchen sink, at the faucet, and I let the faucet, just aimed it right at, at the top of this, and I let it just flow for 24 hours, pretty soon, because of the amount of water going in, it would push out the gasoline, and the gas would go down the drain, and and it would just scroll through and run through this bottle of water hour after hour after hour, and after 24 hours, I could pick up the same bottle and drink from it. Now, why is that? Because good stuff flushed out the toxic stuff. In the same way, this is how the Holy Spirit steers our lives when it comes to our our mind. Sure, you're going to have a toxic thought. You're going to have an unhealthy thought. Some of you are caught up in traps of unhealthy thought life to where everything is negative. And maybe it's about you. Maybe you look at yourself and it's constant negativity. You're fat or you're too skinny or you're not tall enough or you're not pretty enough or you need this and you need that and it's full of shame and you did it and you know you did it. And and everything is a thought life for you that just weighs you down. And again, because we're talking about mind, body, spirit converging into the mind, because you're so full of shame, and because you are preaching to yourself about all these mistakes, it affects your spirit. And now you don't feel so good emotionally. You're down on on yourself. Your guilt uh, is through, through the roof. You get anxious about it. You get hopeless about it. And then that boils over into your spirit. And you start making comments like, what can God do for me? Does God even love me? Does God care about me? Why doesn't God answer prayer? Why this? Why that? And suddenly your faith is in the decline because of a negative thought life. This is why he's saying, let this mind be in you, which was in Jesus. Because when we get his mind, we see ourselves the way he sees us. We we get to see ourselves through righteousness. Righteousness not through anything that we've done for ourselves. When we have a strong thought boundary, we can escort those thoughts out quickly and continue to function at high spiritual and emotional levels. Number two, a healthy mind knows the difference between a rut and a trench. Okay? Now, a rut is this, by definition. Okay? This is layman's terms. A rut is typically formed in mud, And can be dangerous. It is unintentionally created. It has no purpose. And it requires repair. I mean, when you see a rut in a field, that thing was unintentional. It needs to be fixed. It can be dangerous. You can get stuck in it. You can lose traction in it. But unfortunately, many get stuck in a mental rut, a way of believing a way of thinking, a way of seeing the world, a way of seeing God, a way of seeing their family, a way of seeing their, their career, and they get stuck in these negative ruts. Again, bulls over into the emotions, bulls over into the spirit, in, into the soul, and now spiritually, I'm handicapped because I'm stuck in these mental ruts of the way I see my life and your life and the world, and God's activity with the world, all because of a mental rut. But a trench is different. A trench is intentionally dug to deliver a necessary resource. It has a well-thought-out purpose, and it fixes an existing problem. Many missionaries will tell you that their whole life revolved around a trench, that brought them water, brought freshness, brought life into a village that they were working with. It's the same thing mentally. We intentionally, with great purpose, with great intentionality, build trenches that get us closer to God, that get us healthier, that gets us full of wellness, and as the Bible says, soundness or balance. And so the point here is this. Identify the rut, and create new new trenches, you got to take, with your mind management, identify, why am I always in this rut? Why can I not get out of this? Why is this a cycle in my life? Why every March do I do this? Why every October do I do this? Why do I fall into this rut every time somebody rejects me? Why do I get my feelings hurt so easily? These these are ruts. These are things that keep us from gaining traction and moving forward in maturity. Okay? Third, a healthy mind needs a thought audit process. Okay? And that just means this. I'm going to filter the things I'm thinking about through principles that lead me to greater wisdom. Okay, so I'm not going to make a decision just off of my emotions, man. If I did that, I can tell you anytime time I've done that has not been a good thing. Anytime you make a decision, you know, in therapy, well, we always say don't. You, you use uh, this ac- acrostic and you say don't, don't ever, uh, don't, don't ever make a decision when you're hurt, when you're angry. When you're lonely, when you're tired, okay? The acrostic spells halt, okay? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are filters. Those are things to protect you. They're thought audits. But I'm gonna give you five, five questions really quick that I use on a daily basis or weekly, whenever I need to apply them as a thought audit system for the things that I'm really giving mental real estate to. The first one is this. Is there tension that needs attention? I am a, a feeler, meaning I, 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 sense, I sense things going on around me uh, like, like, like an intuition. Um, I try to be very sensitive uh, to what's being said to me or how a room feels. Uh, when people are talking to me about a problem they have, I'm trying to be very intentional to listen. But in terms of myself, I try to do the same thing. Is there a tension in me? that needs to be dealt with? Is there, again, a rut? Am I making a decision based upon the fact that I'm hurt? Uh, am, I, am I about to make a decision or a tension because I'm tired, etc.? The second thing is this. Now, you, you can change the noun to be whatever you want it to be, but I ask myself, what would a good leader do? So when I have a, a thought going on, a thought process in my mind, I ask myself, what what would a good leader do? What would a good husband do? What would a good follower of Jesus do in this circumstance? Because if I want to be like Christ, or I want to be a good husband, or I want to be a good leader, it means i got to separate my emotions from this. And I don't always win at this, okay? So I don't want to come off as the expert. But I will tell you that I try my best to apply it. What would a good whatever do, okay? The third thing is this. What is the wise thing? How many of you guys agree that common sense is dying? Anybody? Yeah, it's dying. I had a professor one time in seminary, and he said, Guys, listen, It sure, you, you, you can go on and finish this coursework. You can do all that. But the greatest gift God ever gave you is common sense. And he said, learn to use it. But... It seems it's quickly dying out. But common sense is a way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us to do the right thing. Okay? Like, should I really post this on Facebook? Is that really the wise thing? I mean, if, if I hit enter on this or send, whatever, what kind of fallout's coming back? If I just spew onto this email and send it to whoever as a reaction, what's going to be the fallout? Because there is, and the Holy Spirit goes, don't, don't do it, don't do it. I'm telling, okay, you already did it. Hadn't that how it's been for some of us? Yeah. Okay, you already did it. Well, I mean, I'll be with you through the valley of the shadow of death, you know. The wise thing. I love being around wise people. At, at first, you've, you've, you kind of feel dumb. Because you're like, man, this is so smart. I I love having those conversations with people where I end up going, man, had I known that 20 years ago? You know how many potholes I would have avoided if you were here 20 years ago and I had that same conversation with you? How different things would have been with finance or with relationship or with, with ministry, with leadership, whatever it was. I wish I had heard from you on that 20 years ago. But sometimes we, we don't always have the, the luxury of that. But wisdom is something that we love having in our mind because it's so, it's transformational. It changes us. It changes our mind and the way, the way we live. The fourth question is this. Am I being honest with myself? Like really being honest? You are the first person that you will lie to. Because justification feels good to us. Go ahead, do it. Make the purchase. You're going to love this. Okay, okay, you're right, you're right. We, we make decisions out of, out of want. But are we really being honest with ourselves? This, this is, is a mind thing. This is part of mind management is living a life of complete honesty and starting with you. Are you being honest with you about how you feel about it? About what your spirit senses about it? Does it line up with with God's purpose for your life? Listen, not every opportunity is a good opportunity. It may be opportunistic. You may be able to check all the boxes off, but it's not a good opportunity for you. Why? Because your steps are ordered of God. God has a plan for you. God has a way to maximize your life. And if we will just walk by faith, just take a step, just believe, just trust. But when we go to seize every opportunity that comes our way, and if you've got just a little bit of talent, opportunity will find you. But not every opportunity is the right opportunity. Okay, The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Okay, so not every opportunity is for you. And the, the last one, I use this on a daily basis at some point. It's this, this question, and it comes in twofold. The first question is this, can I control it? And this is big for me because I'm a little perfectionistic, and I want things to be done well. Um you know, uh, guys, y- y'all are going to un- understand what I'm saying here, but nobody can mow your yard the way you mow your yard. Anybody with me? Now, you, you, you can pay somebody to do it, and then you'll walk out there and just about redo it. Okay, because you want the lines a certain way. Okay, y'all don't act like I'm crazy. Okay, you, you, you want it done a certain way. And we, we love Control. Control, as illusional as it is, feels good. So we're like, I got this. I got a handle on it. We want control. And so many times in a day I have to answer this question within myself, can I control it? If I cannot control it, if the answer is no, I'll let the thing go. Or do my my best to. I don't want to wring my hands over it. I don't want to worry about it. I don't want to fret over it. I don't want to find a solution for it. If I cannot control it. Now, if I can, there's there's another layer to this. Should I? Because sometimes you've got to be left in a mess, and you've got to leave people in their mess so they can grow from it. When I was a kid, my father had a Ph.D. in this. If, if, I, if I would go and hurt somebody's feelings, my dad didn't grab me by the hand and walk me over to their house and knock on the door, say, Kevin's got something to say to your, your kid. No. He let me face the shame. He let me face the fallout of tension between me and that other person. He would tell me how to fix it. You owe them an apology. You need to go and you need to make, make this happen. I'm not making it for you. And sometimes I would just lose a friend. And I would have to feel that. But if, if you always leverage the authority you have or the power you have or the resource you have to help everybody out of every mess, you're doing them an injustice. You're just turning into somebody's wrecker service. You're running over and hooking them up and pulling them out. Every single time they get caught in that same rut, they got to learn it and be transformed by the Spirit because they feel it and sense it in their mind that something is not right. So sometimes when you can say, Yes, I can control it, should you control it? Okay? Let me let me move on. I got a couple a couple of minutes left. I'm gonna wrap up with one one final point. Continuous improvement is essential to sustained improvement. It should be a goal in our lives to constantly become more and more and more like Christ. Um, I think the journey, everything you read from Genesis to Revelation, when He says, "Even so, come, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus," is about is about a forward motion. People were, were moving, people were conquering, people were growing, people were being filled, people were being delivered, people were being healed, uh, people were being called to do certain things. Every single thing from even Genesis when it said the, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the, of the, the deep. There's always this, this trending of, of motion and I think it's, it's in us. And it should be in us to to look and go, where was I a year ago and where am I right now? If I've not grown at least 1% in some area of my spirituality, then I need to roll my sleeves up and ask God to continue the transformational process in me. There's a reason we call it faith formation. It's got to continue to go. And I've, I've told you this story before, but... When I, was, when I was 12 or 13 years old, I came upon this scene outside like many times before. And my father was always tinkering with things in his shop. And he had a lawnmower, a push mower, outside. And he was doing what, it's mid-Mid-March, so many of you are about to start this whole scene yourself. And he would put his foot on the mower... And he would reach down and grab the handle, and he would pull and pull and pull and pull. And then you'd see him switch sides. And he'd put his other foot on there and switch arms and pull and pull and pull and pull. And then he'd pause and have a conversation with himself. (laughs) And I'm just watching this, and he, he doesn't see me observing, but he takes out a screwdriver, and he tinkers with some things, and the whole process starts over again. He pulls and pulls and pulls. He switch sides. He pulls and pulls and pulls. He tinkers. He talks to himself. He tinkers. He talks. He pulls. He switch sides. On and on and on. And finally in 12-year-old wisdom, I step out to him and I say, "Hey dad, why don't you just buy a new one?" And I don't know why I remember this, but I do. His words back to me were, "Because I know if I can get this one started, it will get the job done. And when I think about that spiritually, I think how many times in my life have I felt the weight of God on my life and His tugging and pulling, the challenge, the constant process to get started, get started, get started, get started. Maybe He speaks something over me. And he pulls again and again and again and again. And there's a reason that he doesn't give up on you. He doesn't end you. He doesn't crumple you away and and go get another version of you. No. Because at the heart of him, he believes that if he can ever get you started, you will get the job done. But he wants us in this process, in our mind, our whole being, of, of becoming like Jesus to let this mind be in us to allow it, to welcome it to want it, to embrace it that was in his son I want to send you away with three final thoughts these are are what I would call a sub message, the after message really quick, I'm going to give them to you in 60 seconds the first one is this. No one cares about your mistakes. Some of you right here, you're so worried. Oh, they, they know what I did. Who, nobody's, nobody's thinking about it. You're thinking about it. Nobody else is thinking about it. You know why? Because we know in our humanity that everybody in here has a mistake. Everybody in here has, has a page they want to tear out of their story. We all have one. And the only reason they're thinking about yours from time to time is because they're hoping that it's worse than their page. But nobody cares about your mistake. Don't be held down by it. Don't be grafted to it. Don't be bound to it. Do not not anchor your life based on a mistake because nobody cares. You're giving that thing a lot more real estate than it deserves. Second, every mind in this room in some area needs improvement. We're all... In this together, we're all on the same page. Every single one of us, regardless of age, we all have something going on in our mind, body, soul, spirit, that we need to be be working on, that mind management can improve in. So you're not alone. You're not odd. You're not eccentric. You're not broken. You're welcome to humanity. This is part of it. And third, and I don't want this to hurt, hurt your feelings, but listen, Not every person you love wants to get better. Not every person that you want to help mentally and emotionally and spiritually wants to get better. And here's why. This is going to sting a little bit. But there are some people who want to choose brokenness over being better because brokenness gets them more attention. They don't want to to get better. They want to stay broken and maintain an audience. You are not responsible for someone else getting better. You can love them, pray over them, resource them, care a lot about them, pray with them, disciple them, mentor them, model good things for them, but you cannot change them even if you're married to them or raising them. People have to choose to be transformed by the renewing of their mind on their own. They've got to do it. They've got to put the work in. So yeah, keep, keep loving, keep believing, keep putting your faith out there, but you cannot do it for them. So let it go. Trust God. Let Him move in. Let, let, let those mistakes out. Let, let the fact go that you think you're the only one in the laboratory getting work. We're all in this. Okay? Let this mind be in you, which was in Jesus.